looky here, looky here. It is the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, all here on our mics. I want to say, you guys, the last time we did this was uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, maybe before Christmas. The last time it was all three of us together doing this, because then I was on paternity leave, and then, uh, Jake, you were at the Combine. It's just... It's been a while. It feels good. It feels good to be back with you guys. Fun, I talked to you a couple weeks ago, so I, I, I'm going to address Jake first. Jake, it's been, it was way back in 2021 that you and I last did a show together. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Has it really been that long? Because it, it was that yeah, last time. Yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. It was all the way back in December I don't know if that's, know if that's a good thing about you if, that, if I don't know if it's been that long. <laughs> Is that good or bad? I don't know how you would take that. Uh, you know what? I will take it as good because I will choose to believe that that means I have such I have like this overwhelming presence in your life that it feels like I'm there even when I'm not. Okay, yeah, sure, that that, that works. <laughs> you, you can go with that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to go with. Brandon Funston, what's going on, man? Good yeah, to be back. I feel like we I feel like we've talked a lot. It doesn't seem like I have talked to you a handful of times. We've done. Some, yeah, we did some basketball yeah. talk. You 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 were kind enough to not make me talk about Russell Wilson last week, so um, I don't know if you're going to be that no. kind today. Well, I wouldn't. We wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't talk about Russell Wilson because that's what we're <laughs> going to be talking about here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. There have been a lot of moves, be they trades, free agent signings, franchise taggings, whatever it might be. A lot of moves that have some big effects in the fantasy football world, and that's where we're going to be focused here on this episode. Let's start with those three big quarterback moves, you guys. What do you want to get to for Jake? Again, I'm going to give the option to you because it's been so long since you and I have talked on a show here. Tom Brady's fake return. I don't I hate that people are calling it like a return or being like, give me a break. Tom Brady, fake retirement. Aaron Rodgers, back with Green Bay. Russell Wilson to Denver. What do you want to talk about here, Jake? Uh don't care, don't care. Russell Wilson. I was, I want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk Russell Wilson. Let's talk for yeah, trade purposes. Rough. Yeah, Russell Wilson, because I I mean, I would have thought it's like 60-40 Tom Brady was truly retired, but I it didn't surprise me. Like, you know, this, like I thought he might have been really retired, but it didn't shock me at all. Uh, mm-hmm. The Aaron Rodgers, we all expected that to happen, just not the contract right. amount. So, yeah, let's yeah. talk Russell. Russell Wilson's the biggest game changer here, easily. Yeah, I have to wonder, like, how good does re- does retirement have to be set up for you for Tom Brady to actually retire? <laughs> like, it, does does anybody have a better looking retirement than Tom no. Brady? It was no. the long, it was the low hanging fruit, like Lauren said earlier today. Like everybody kept making the same joke, you know, all that time with kids and your wife, and it's like, oh man, I I didn't even think about this. I need to get back yeah. the hell out of the house. <laughs> I fell for it. I totally, I believe that that he was that he was truly done. I really thought that he was gonna hang. Like, I guess I'm an idiot because <laughs> I mean, here he is back yeah, in our well, lives. Well, you know, I think he saw an opportunity. Maybe like the NFC is is withering yeah. right now. You know, the Rams probably aren't going to be quite as potent as they were last year. Obviously, Seattle's way down now, and Aaron Rodgers. Why even mention Seattle? A year? They were I, I down last know. year. Why? <laughs> they were down last year, but there was the there was the mallet. Finger, there was the mallet. You know, finger. you could talk. So yeah, I mean, but the NFC in general is, I mean, all the powers in yeah. the AFC, and maybe Tom Brady's like, hey, there's an opportunity. Yeah, right. Beat, beat Aaron Rodgers once, and I can get to the Super Bowl again. I mean, why mention him yep, is because exactly. can we do a show and Foster's got to bring up the Seahawks somehow. 
Uh, even well, though it's, I think they've kind of it's put already themselves, baked into the conversation. They put themselves in the in, in the recent narrative. They have done things that warrant conversation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, let's let's get and let's let's talk about Russell Wilson for a second here. Going to Denver. I mean, is it easy? Is it as easy as saying Jake that just everyone in Denver, Russ included? I guess maybe Russ is just like. Uh, a lateral movement based on where he was in Seattle, but is it is everyone in Denver a winner? Mm, pretty much, I think. Yeah, Russell is lateral, lateral because he's not running anymore. I, I think yeah. the the mallet finger. Yeah, I would say you know he moves up a spot or two. He goes from mm-hmm. I think I had him around eleven, and now he's back just inside the top ten. He leaps frogs like a few guys down there. Um, but those ranks also weren't with Tom Brady at the time. Yeah. But <laughs> the biggest thing is Russ just doesn't run anymore. You know, it was the worst. It was his worst fantasy season since 2016 and then it's his lowest rushing season basically essentially of his starting career um mm-hmm. and that's even with missed games a few years ago where he still ran for more than he did so unless russ is going to get back to three four hundred and four or five touchdowns like i just the dak prescott used to be what we penciled him in for 350 rushing right. yards and five rushing touchdowns just every single year or three six rushing touchdowns if he got back to that, sure, we can maybe get the Russell Wilson of the top five again. But as it stands, he's lateral. If, in my opinion, yes, Carlton Sutton stock up. You know, uh, whether it's Judy becomes Lockett and Sutton becomes DK Metcalf and blah blah, both their stocks are up. But mm-hmm. the only difference that I think here is going to be interesting is I think Okubunam, Okubunam, I got it almost right on the first or, or Okway Bunam. Albert O, can we just accept yeah. that? Yeah. I want to say it now, right now that you said it. You must. You have you, every yeah. every vowel gets pronounced right. It's Oak. It's Okway. Okway Bunam. It's four syllables. Okway Bunam. Okay, so I'm so wrong about every. Uh, oh, there's like a five syllable one. I looked it up just like last week. Anyway, oh Albert O, I'm with Funston. Albert O, <laughs> his stock is definitely up. But I think it's also if you're in a keeper or dynasty, sell high immediately. Like the biggest problem I have here, and I think Funston's going to agree because he watched it forever, is the third option is Tim Patrick. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's Tim Patrick and Albert O, and they contend for that third spot, which would be very much like Tom Brady's Gronkowski slash whoever it might be as the third wide receiver. But this isn't the clear third was. Seattle Seahawks tight end because there was a lot of different options because the third right receiver was essentially irrelevant for the longest time. Um, so now that's my bigger concern. Tim Patrick's not going to go away. So yes, mm-hmm. no offense, gone. But I don't think Albert O gets inside tight end one. I'd put him. I think I put him around fourteen or fifteen. Funston, are either yeah. of those receivers a bigger gainer for you? Like, are you going to be more interested in one of them? than you would have been without Russ? Is Russ's style of play more intriguing to you for Judy Sutton, or is it just Yeah, like I think about up? this. I mean, if you think about it, like, yeah, I, I, I lean more towards Cortland Sutton at the deep ball. Russell still throws a great deep ball. And, like, Jerry Judy, what what's his best traits? Is a super quick, you know, the route running separation. What's Russell not good at is dropping back and hitting guys in their first move, you know, in their first kind of like, you know, the instant hitter, the quick hitter. If you look at Tyler Lockett, a lot of his stuff came with Russell kind of buying time. Yeah, he doesn't run a lot, but he still does buy time to make throws. And that allows Tyler Lockett to make these longer plays because he's, you know, it's kind of like schoolyard football. The funny thing about Russell is they made the playoffs practically every year. Their offense is always good, yet they churn through offensive coordinators because the what it always comes back to is you might want to try to run a certain system. Inevitably, you just end up running the Russell Wilson system. I don't think 
that you're going to see a whole lot different Denver offense than what you've seen in Seattle because things end up just kind of like gravitating to his strengths and you have to avoid his weaknesses. And the irony here is this is a Pete Carroll team. It's a dream Pete Carroll team with Javante Williams, Mm -hmm. a really good defense, and the ability to play play action off of that. I just think they're in a much better situation. And for that reason, I think Russell Wilson, we're going to see a nice uptick in his numbers because they're going to be able to play off of the, the play action of Javante Williams. And you have some nice weapons to do that with AFC West going to be a bear next season with those, the three teams we all met. It's not like the, I mean, <laughs> Raiders were in the playoffs. They were the seven seed. They weren't really scaring anyone going into the playoffs, but you know, they, they were a quality team or no, they were the five seed. They were the five seed. Oh, they gave the, they gave the Bengals almost as, as good a game as anyone before the Bengals lost yeah. in the Super Bowl. So just that AFC West going to be absolutely I, ridiculous. I saw, I saw the comment that the, the Broncos paid an awful lot to go from the worst quarterback in the division to the to the third worst. <laughs> or to the, like, the third the best. Third best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either See, way, I guess it works yeah. either way. Third worst, third best. I, I lean kind of, you know, as of today, if I had to put odds on it, I'd say Judy over Sutton for the freelancing, and that's what mm-hmm. is, it's kind of a fun time. I like if you know when things break down, when Russ is scrambling, trying to buy time, like it's better that that's Judy, that's Judy's separation out of college. Yeah. That's why we were so excited. That's why the fantasy community has been wanting him to happen. Yeah. Uh, Sutton replicates a lot of what Metcalf does, although I think Sutton's a better route runner than Metcalf is still to this point. Um, I think this could be very close though, where. Uh, we see them not quite as in fringe wide receiver one and wide receiver 14, but more of Judy maybe being like 20 and Sutton being like 24 because then Patrick's going to be like in the 30s. Like I think Patrick's yeah. going to siphon off a little bit more because Patrick is – he'll freelance. I mean he freelanced with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater at a time. He's, I think that's the biggest thing is that Tim Patrick's still a great late round pick, and I think people need to remi- be reminded of that. I mean, are we assuming that there's going to be plenty of scoring in that division? You get six games against those uh, your other opponents. That's a huge chunk of your fantasy season. I don't know the Chargers free agents moves. Um, <laughs> oh, my god! I don't want to play the Chargers defense anymore. <laughs> this is finally the year, right? We've been excited about the Chargers for, like, literally two decades breaking through. Right? I mean, literally, going back to, like, to, to Rivers and uh, to, to Rivers and LT, to Breeze and LT. Like, we've been excited about this team breaking through for two decades. It's finally going to happen. Mm. I love mm. the counterpunching that they're doing. Yeah. Like, okay, you're, everybody's, you know, offensive arms race. Yeah, we're going to ramp up with Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. We got Joey, Joey Bosa. I mean, we're going to we're gonna bring heat on you all the time and have guys on your receivers. Ty, mm. I, I love it. It's, it's, it's shaping up to be the most exciting division easily in football. Jake, I'm going to let you talk about uh, Mitch Trubisky here in one second. But first, <laughs> is, that, uh, is, that, is that Rodman jersey uh, new? Oh yeah. Oh well. I mean, it's new since you haven't done a show since December with me. So yes, uh, the Rod. Where is it? it's over. Yeah, the Dennis Robin signed jersey. Did I have the Kyler Murray signed jersey when you were here last? You did. You did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so like the Rob. Yeah, I actually got it at the same time as Murray, but I didn't have a spot for him until Murray covered up that Michael Thomas guy, um, and then. <laughs> Barkley is now covering up a former Giants linebacker who got in more trouble this past offseason. Again, if anybody didn't notice that happened, and I was kind of like, I might want to cover him up again. <laughs> like yeah. just, um, <laughs> so Rodman came out. Well, that, you know, yeah, so he came out. <laughs> Feeling the Rodman jersey in a big way. All right, Mitch Trubisky, Steelers. I mean, is, it was was that wasn't a joke, right? You're 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 excited I'm, about this. I'm excited in the fact that I think too many people are crapping on it. That's my biggest issue is that I went back and Funston edited the article and saw the numbers 
I initially went back and said, I know he was, I know Trubisky's career is better than Roethlisberger 2021. And then as I'm doing this, I said, well, maybe it was 2020 as well. And I included it. And it was. I said, let me go back one more year. Let's see how many years I can keep going. (laughs) And it cut off at three. Once you get back to four, it starts to push back towards Roethlisberger. But essentially the last three years of Roethlisberger, the numbers are almost down the road identical or in Trubisky's favor. The only thing that goes in Ben Roethlisberger's favor is the touchdown to interception ratio. But interestingly enough, and I would have never guessed this in a million years and Funston edited, so he doesn't get to answer, but would you have ever assumed Beller that in the last three years, the off target percentage of Roethlisberger's throws is 11.7 and Trubisky's is 6.9. Wow. Trubisky significantly more accurate. <laughs> The parallel I draw, and I can see it even from maybe even kind of trying to run the same, a similar style offense, is how Ryan Tannehill, you know, became a sort of a joke in Miami yeah. and, and took a year off and then became Tennessee's, you know, game managing play action quarterback. And I don't, and they can, you know, lean heavy on Derrick Henry, and that could be Pittsburgh. They're mm-hmm. leaning heavy on Najee Harris and working off of that with Mitch Trubisky. They're kind of a parallel. You know, similar sort of guys coming out of college as well. Um, athletic, sure. you know, Tannehill was mm-hmm. a wide receiver. So I, I don't hate it either. And in my mind, I'm like, Trubitsky, like fantasy QB 17, 18. That's, you know, strong, strong QB too. I could see that. There has to be something to the fact that Brian Dable was reportedly interested in bringing him to New York, right? I mean, in theory, you think, you think Dable's got the best. Bit of it? What? You think that carried some of it, like kind of? Well, I'm just them? saying, it, like we can't possibly know just how interested Brian Dable was, but that story was certainly out there. And in theory, no one has a better read on what Mitch Trubisky is going into the 2022 season than Brian Dable. So I, I like, I, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to read, you don't want to go too far down that road. But I think it's worth taking a couple of steps down that road and saying, you know, maybe this, maybe this could work for Mitch and, and the Steelers. That's certainly fair. It's not, you know, the fact that. I think I find it interesting, though, that basically barely ever playing resuscitated his career. Like, that's the thing is people are just like, oh, remember what could have been. And I think some people (laughs) do that in fantasy, honestly, to go back, like to kind of like tie this in. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, let's always think peak best and like injuries, you know, always the injury optimism that he's going to be. What are you 100 percent? What he used to be? So, again, it's not so much I'm interested in Trubisky to draft in fantasy outside Mm -hmm. of Superflex and two to quarterback leagues, blah, blah, blah. We say that all the time. Um but I think the biggest thing here is I didn't downgrade Deontay Johnson. And I'm not downgrading yeah. Claypool or Fryermuth unless Juju Smith-Schuster comes back. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, the biggest difference. If you look at the target distribution for Trubisky and Roethlisberger, Trubisky targets the running backs a lot more and wide receivers less than Roethlisberger does. The tight ends are almost about the same for them. So if you factor, if Juju decides to come back, I think Claypool, Juju, and Fryermuth are going to kind of have some frustrating inconsistency. I'm still okay with Deontay. I prefer if he stays away and it's mm-hmm. only Deontay, Claypool, and Fryermuth. Do you put any yeah, weight into the fact that Trubisky that, – is that driven at all by the fact that Trubisky played a good chunk of his starting career in Chicago with a guy like Tariq Cohn? No, yeah, I mean, I think that factors in certainly, but I, I, you know, Najee Harris, as we've said many times over the past year since being drafted, is a better pass catcher than people wanted to give him credit for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and to your point about Dable, you know, and his interest in Trubisky, I mean, that's if that's true, that's very encouraging for a guy who took a very raw, you know, athletic quarterback in Josh Allen mm-hmm. and saw 
you know, significant improvement year after year after year. So the fact that he's still interested uh, in, in wanting Trubisky, it would be a, a selling endorsement for him. And um, of course, there's the, the Trubisky's like greatest game was was against Matt Canada, right? Like he had 468 passing yards or something like that when he was with the Bears. So, um, you know, maybe there's some some of that still bouncing around in the Pittsburgh circles as well. Mitch had a six touchdown game against the uh, Buccaneers the year the Bears went to the the, Bear, the Bears won the North and Matt Nagy was coach of the year. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> I, the, I, I, I completely <laughs> forgot that Matt Nagy was coach of coach the year. Of the year 2018. <laughs> heady times in Chicago. Wow. That's for sure. Uh, Carson Wentz to DC. Speaking of heady times, Carson Wentz to uh, our nation's capital. How about that? Uh, obviously he's in that same sort of we're not going to be doing anything crazy for him in fantasy but Jake uh, you look at the the weapons in in, in Washington um you look at the commanding weapons god i hate that name so much in Washington <laughs> uh upgrade downgrade neutral from where they were i say pretty neutral they, they, actually that's another one if you were to blind test the numbers for Carson Wentz and Tyler Haneke last year almost th- those numbers are almost identical but the biggest, I mean, there's a big outlier in the touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, you can just look at, I mean, you wouldn't even have to see the inter- interception ratio number to see, hey, look, 20 something touchdowns, seven interceptions versus teens for interceptions for Heineke. Like that, that is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of goes both ways for me. Like Heineke's aggressiveness is kind of what we liked. And, but Carson Wentz at his efficient level, the, what he could be, I would say this I don't think this moves the needle for anybody, but. There is a world where Carson Wentz's ceiling admittedly is higher than Heineke's. I don't think he gets there anymore at this point of his career. I think that's done. But at least there's room for all the players to improve, whereas it's like similar to the Trubisky. It's not a downgrade, but I'm not upgrading anybody either. Just knowing him in the back of my mind, if I'm taking McLaurin as my wide receiver two, there is a world where maybe he finally gets to wide receiver one if Carson Wentz can rebound even 20%. Yeah, that's where I was just going to make my point is like, I don't care about the quarterback situation. I just think you have to have some optimism about McLaurin now because the Heineke McLaurin combo was as bad as it got, you know, and Heineke for all the aggressiveness and, and his good points, he just doesn't have a strong arm. And I don't, I don't, I don't even care about the deep ball percentage numbers. I just know Carson Wentz has a better arm and has the ability to connect with McLaurin on, on more parts of the field than Heineke does. I want to I want to segue from Wentz going to Washington to a guy leaving Washington and help us get over to the uh, running back position as well. JD McKissick. This was uh, this was just today, wasn't it? Tuesday, the JD McKissick news came out that he's going to the Bills, which yeah. leaves the door open. Yes, to Antonio Gibson, RB one, owning no. the backfield. Is that <laughs> no. No, is that in the cards no. at all? No, not at all. <laughs> they're 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 adding somebody, whether via the draft or. I mean, there's not a whole lot of just pass catch there. They're going to add somebody. They, that's just what they're going to do at this point. If nothing else, I mean, what we've known is, I mean, look at Rivera and how he wants to use this backfield. And even when Antonio Gibson didn't have McKissick back there, that was like about the only time we finally got to the 25 touch level. And as soon as he had another option, right back. I mean, he even tried mm-hmm. Jarrett Patterson as the pass catcher, which that wasn't even what Jarrett Patterson was supposed to be used for. So he wants somebody else. It would be fun if we could say Antonio Gibson gets to that, you know, 
basically tier two of running backs, but they're going to add somebody. So no, not for me. Not at all. <laughs> I, I wonder though, if they'll add somebody that won't have quite as big a role as McKissick and it'll equal out to a little bit bigger role for Gibson. Mm-hmm. We'll see on that. Um, but I think what's curious is McKissick going to the bills. And yep. if you look at the bills, they don't throw the running back. I mean, they were bottom six in running back receptions last year. I think they were like bottom four the year before they kind of like the Ravens. They just are a team that, in the Josh Allen era hasn't really, you know, thrown to the running back. So I'm curious if this is like a, a sea change, something they want to do a lot more of. But uh, from my perspective, I'm not changing my, my valuation of Devin Singletary a whole lot mm-hmm. because I think he's still going to be the guy in, in inside the, inside the red zone at the goal line. He was very good. And that's the, this is going to be a team that's going to be serving up a lot of touchdowns to the running backs. And I think that's where Devin Singletary is still going to make his mark. You don't go if you don't go get JD McKissick. If you're not going to throw him the ball though, right? I don't think you do. So I, I do think they're planning something there. And, you know, Brian Dable's not there anymore. So maybe, you know, maybe they're changing it up a little bit. You don't go get Chase Edmonds if you're not going to throw him the ball either. And that Dolphins went out and got Chase Edmonds, uh, decoupling him from James Conner, who stayed in Arizona. So let's talk about those guys for a second here. And let's start with uh, Chase Edmonds. Jake, excitement level uh, as the Dolphins are currently constructed for Chase Edmonds being there. Oh, I mean, currently constructed is different than what my true excitement level is. So yeah. currently con- currently constructed, oh, we're finally going to get top 20 return for Chase Edmonds. What I believe very similar to what we just talked about Antonio Gibson is this isn't over. Um, because Chase, yeah. Chase Edmonds, for his entire career, and granted there's injuries and other players involved, but they made it very clear. The guy never had more than 25% of the carries. Like, that's just mm-hmm. that's not who Edmonds is. Is he one of the most explosive running backs? Yes. Is he great in the passing game? Yes. Does he need to be paired with somebody else? Yes. I know they gave him starter money, and I know everybody's foaming at the mouth because it's, oh, Mike McDaniel, and where did Mike McDaniel come from, and what does mm-hmm. Jay Simmons have, and blah, blah, blah. I would love for that to happen, and I'm sure there's a world where he gets Elijah Mitchell's use, and from the year before that, Raheem Mostert's use, and from the year before, like, I'm sure there's something, and like, injuries happen, releases happen, maybe we get down to that. I'm just, I know what has always happened in the past, and I just don't necessarily believe Chase Edmonds isn't going to have somebody, even if it's a 65-35 split, somebody that can take more of a pounding than Edmonds can. Yeah, and I, you know, it's not that I, I think the thing here is he's not Raheem Moster or Elijah Mitchell. That guy's probably coming in the draft, you know, yeah. that someone that perfectly fits the system that they pair with Chase Edmonds. And pour one out for my guy, Miles Gaskin, who <laughs> probably is, is now the Jamichael Hasty of the group, <laughs> you know, in, in Miami. Is there going to be, I say this like half jokingly, and it's it's going to sound, I don't know, kind of funny, because I guess I'm kind of funny. Uh, but like, I also mean it seriously. Is there? Are we going to pay a Mike McDaniel tax in fantasy this year? Because uh, he's like <laughs> the cool, hip coach, seems like a fun guy to hang out with. He's like... He's a millennial, right? 39 years old. He's like right in the age wheelhouse of so many of us who talk about fantasy football for a living. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I just feel like there's going to be some sort of looming Mike McDaniel tax on anyone intriguing who's in Miami. I don't think I'll pay it. I'm not really sure who I want now. I mean, Jalen, Jake, you're reading your free agency stuff, you know, with Cedric Wilson and and things. If if Jalen Waddle's playing less in the slot, I don't know if I'm going to want all the helium that's being baked into his ADP right now. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is Waddle. I mean, I already had Waddle, and I'll still keep him. I'm not going to move him down, but low-end wide receiver one. I think I had him at like 10 or 11 before even mm-hmm. McDaniel got there just because of the situation. But I think you could see a world where that drops, 
you know, depending on how this team finishes their off season, you know, Gesicki probably coming back. Um, Waddle looks to be clearly the number one, but Devontae Parker now, as you mentioned, with the addition of Cedric Wilson, and they brought back Preston Williams. Not that I'm really worried about Preston Williams. I was surprised they brought him back. But that, to what you said, Fuster, like this, and I know you weren't saying in the draft, but that kind of leans me away. Like maybe they will leave it alone and they won't draft the wide receiver because they brought back Preston Williams, and that's kind of like, all right, we're kind of set where we are and we're good. Maybe a flyer in the sixth round. So I'm not worried mm-hmm. about adding a wide receiver. I'm still more worried about the running back backfield. And if this is, you said the Mike McDaniel tax. Well, if we're also going to say the tax is coming from the experience of the 49ers, 49ers run heavy. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really get a fourth option in the passing game and you hope it's as condensed as it was last year and a lot of the condensing had to do with Kittle missing time and then before that Ayuk missing time like they Mm -hmm. like so if all three of those are healthy let's go to the 49ers and say do we really expect all those numbers to still be there for everybody Debo included are the numbers really going to be there for Waddle Wilson Parker and the backfield whatever that might end up being when everything's said and done oh god I'm just thinking now about the the Jalen Waddle as Debo experience oh somebody asked him that <laughs> at, the ca- at the combine <laughs> was that the one where he said like we didn't we didn't, we didn't you find don't find debo, debo by, by, looking, by looking for, for debo. debo yep yeah yeah i mean all of this also is contingent on Tua not being terrible isn't it hey, i mean and he's not terrible why do people no, i'm not saying i know you're not saying that but like i don't know why people like think he's terrible like i just yeah i don't get that and i think he can be competent enough to have fine value for these guys i mean is Tua not Jimmy Garoppolo version-wise, like for what the passing game offers? That's what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. the passing game, the numbers. And so I think they could be fine if we are trying to replicate the 49ers in theory, and he is. But no, the best answer, Mike McDaniel, I still said this, this is he became one of my favorite coaches when he said that. Somebody asked him if he had any meaningful conversations with Agba, and his response was, first of all, every conversation I have is meaningful. I was like, "All right, you win. I love you." <laughs> He's going to be fun. He's. De- I hope he. I hope he is successful as a coach because he uh, is a thoughtful guy and a fun guy and a great quote. That's for sure. So I really hope he is successful as a coach. Which I guess sort of makes me a pseudo Dolphins fan this year, at least uh, to the extent that they are competent and uh, good and competitive and all those fun things and some interesting pieces certainly to look for in the fantasy world. That is definitely true. James Conner. I-, I mean, is that he stays in Arizona? It doesn't like. In terms of like changing what we thought about him in Arizona, there, there's nothing there, is there? No. I mean, 18 touchdowns last year. He's not doing that next year. And they're also not going to not replace. They're either going to make not, Eno yeah, Benj- yeah. they're going to make Eno Benjamin, Chase Edmonds, or they're going to draft somebody too, or bring in mm-hmm. somebody like yeah. this. But I think, I mean, really, I mean, what's gonna, what's the over underline going to be for his touchdowns? Because I know it's not going to be 18, but it's probably going to be like 11 and a half. I mean, we, this is an offense that had Kenyon Drake score 10 as the lead guy uh-huh. and, and not a huge workload the year before. And Connor was putting up one per game. Like, he's going to score probably a dozen plus touchdowns, maybe not 18. But if he stays healthy, only misses a couple games at most, he's going to be a double digit touchdown guy. And he, he did 18 and 15 last year, 18 touchdowns in 15 games last season. So definitely uh, could be another big touchdown season for James Conner. It's been a lot of wide receiver movement. We uh, touched on one of the, you know, not necessarily huge ones uh, so far, although I guess it's sort of big Cedric Wilson going to Miami. Let's talk about Amari Cooper though, going to Cleveland. Uh, this has to be uh, at first blush, a downgrade for Amari Cooper, but I, I like it's not like Amari Cooper's been just piling up wide receiver one season. So like, how much of a 
downgrade is the environment for Amari Cooper, given what his production has been for fantasy managers the last few seasons? What do you got on this, Funston? Well, he hasn't been a, a wide receiver one season. I think he's been consistently top 15. He's weirdly just been like putting those up. I think it's a, I think it's bad. You know, I, like I, it, I, you know, maybe something comes with the Deshaun Watson stuff and they move on from Baker Mayfield. But with Baker Mayfield, I think this is like it's a, it's a little better than what you get from Jarvis Landry. You know, I, I think he's a wide receiver, too, in Cleveland. I don't I and I and, and maybe a back end wide receiver, too, at that. I don't I don't see him as a top 20 guy, although he is clearly the number one there means something. But I, I just think it's where wide receivers go to die. I really do. Jake, let me jump in really quick and say, what would you rather do here? Would you, or who would you, who are you ranking ahead of who right now? You've got Amari Cooper in Cleveland or Michael Gallup staying in Dallas. I uh, I would still take Amari Cooper. Um, if we're like, so, if we're having the conversation similar to what you asked before, though, if we're talking as of today, I think it's a net neutral. But as of today, I could also see the Browns drafting a wide receiver in the first round, mm-hmm. maybe the second round. Uh, they're not being done, and so Jarvis Landry's gone. Amari right. Cooper being a net neutral, being wide receiver 22-ish or something like that would mean 140-plus targets. As of today, that's doable. But, that, again, this, does it stay that way? And I don't think it does. And I think that's what Fonz is saying. It does, I don't think it stays that way. And 110 targets in a lower-efficient, lower-volume passing game, and I say 110 because that might even be a little bit aggressive depending on who they are. Like, if they draft Burks or London or somebody high-end like that, and you have two, like basically another version of a different CD Lamb, like the talent level of a CD Lamb, and it's Lamb and Cooper and Dallas versus Lamb and Cooper and Cleveland. We're going to say downgrade yeah. unless they pull off this trade for Deshaun Watson. Then, then we could have a different conversation. Yeah, and that's something that that we're we're saving for our next episode. We will have. All signs point to us having some sort of Deshaun Watson re- uh, resolution before our next episode. So we're saving it for then. Don't worry. We're just we're we're the, we're. We're in this part of the season where we, we need as much as we can chew every single episode. So we're saving Deshaun Watson and <laughs> Allen Robinson and Jarvis Landry and guys like that who are still out there. Uh, we're not going to speculate on them. We'll let them land, and then we'll discuss them. Michael Gallup in Dallas. I mean, that's kind of fun. Michael Gallup with Amari Cooper out of the way. That, that's kind of fun. Dalton Schultz is back. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's plenty of room for all those guys and CD to do what they do. Uh, you know, We'll see how the backfield uh, shakes itself out in terms of usage, but... I'm excited for for all those guys. Like that's gonna that's gonna be an easy team to invest in the passing game next year. And I'm gonna be sort of like player agnostic. Lamb and his price, Gallup at his price, Schultz at his price. Dallas is gonna be fun next year, you guys. Yeah, I mean, I like Michael Gallup. I think he's always been like a, a number two, uh, you know talent like a wide receiver mm-hmm. two talent for a team i think he was just caught in a situation where there was a bar- embarrassment of riches but like you look at him in dallas as a number two is he really that different than where we we're going to be thinking about mike williams i think they bring some similar things to the table in in similar kind of high high profile offenses so yeah i mean i think michael gallup if you told me is he going to finish as a top 25 fancy wide receiver this year i think it's absolutely possible could be top 20 I mean, I think it's good talent, good situation. And if they don't bring anybody else in of significance, then there's just a little bit more pieces of pie for him to go after. 
Yeah, I think the most intriguing part for me is, and um, I tweeted it, and people are like, oh, Noah Brown. I'm like, I'm a Fioco guy. I, I thought they drafted Fioco to be the replacement for Michael Gallup, thinking they were going to let Gallup walk in free agency. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be, as of now, it could just be wide open and everybody's involved, and then just stay away. Don't mess around with it. But if an injury happens to Gallup, he Gallup starts the season off as the situation is right now, and we don't even see 100% Gallup until the middle of the year, as some reports are saying, inside injuries, is speculating whether or not he's going to be 100% to start the season. If he's going to be ready to start the season, I think the winner of Fioco and Brown could at least be temporarily intriguing, if not potentially a value there long term. Yeah. Do you think Michael Gallup's excited for Colorado State's first-round matchup with Michigan on Thursday? <laughs> I'm guessing he uh, is. Yeah. That, de- that depends. Are we going to throw blows at the end of the game? Are we going to have that happen? <laughs> hey, you never know with Juwan Howard, man. You never know. <laughs> How is he still coaching? <laughs> it's funny that the first game he comes back, they just lose. They get beat by Indiana in the Big Ten tournament. Um, and they yeah, were up by, what, were they like, by like 18 in that game, too? They were way, way the hell up in that game. And yes, Indiana came storming back. I, I, I do not have Michigan pulling off the upset in round one. They're favored, actually. It's an 11, they're the 11 in the 11 6 matchup, but they're favored. Yeah, that's, that seems crazy to me. Colorado uh, State's I'm, a good I, team. Colorado State is a good team. If you want more uh, <laughs> uh, college basketball NCAA tournament talk, check out Best on the Board. We have uh, had nine episodes, no, eight episodes so far since Selection Sunday. So, eight different episodes published. You We've know, been busy I, over there. I, I, was, I definitely go listen to all that because this year I think is insane. Wide open. I'm really curious. I have a buddy, my buddy Brent. Every single year he does his own bracket, and then he does a bracket where he coin flips every game to see which one's more <laughs> accurate. And yeah. it's happened one time where the coin flips have been more accurate. <laughs> Fortunately avoided. I think he had one of the 16 seeds winning, and it wasn't the year that it happened. But mm-hmm. I'm saying that to say, like, I could see the coin flip one this year being, like, supreme. Like, is what's a good team this year? It's very flat. So, I mean, you know, the, the top seeds are great. Arizona is great. I really hope Kirk Reese is healthy um, by the second weekend. But it's flat this year. It's flat this year because of the teams are older. Big Pine Conference teams are older because of the COVID season, because of the transfer portal. Uh, and so I feel like they've separated themselves from some of the mid-majors more than they typically have. But then the high majors are closer to one another than they typically are. Can also. I make a cra- – we'll get right back to football. Can I make a potentially yeah. crazy statement? Everybody's going to come for me, especially their fan base. Yeah, especially sure. especially because it's his last year. Is this <laughs> is this Coach K's worst coaching job? I mean, Look at the talent so on that, that that team. I was looking up. There's a potential <laughs> for five first round draft picks. Off yes, of this team. crazy. Yeah, yes. And yeah. you watch it anytime if you when you watch Duke, like at least a at least a handful of them. I mean, it's hard for five guys to pop in every single forty minute game, right? No, but everybody's least, giving like, Hardaway crap three, for, pop, for wasting his pop. talent. Yeah. For his two first, he was supposed to have potentially the number one pick, and everybody's giving him yeah. crap. And uh-huh. I'm looking at the Duke team, and I'm like, this team should be waxing everybody. You yeah. should not well, be losing double digits to UNC at yeah. home in the last no. game of the season. No. They got a seven foot rim protector, a six ten Paolo Banchero might be the number one pick of the draft, and then like their guards are six four, six five. AJ Griffin six six, and he might be a top five pick. Like there yeah. is no excuse. They got everything <laughs> you need, and so yeah, Jake. I mean. I actually think Duke might end up taking a run, but we're, we're probably talking too much college basketball at this yes. point. Yeah, check out Best on the Board. We got all the college basketball talk you need as you're filling out your brackets and getting bets ready for Thursday and Friday. Uh, let's talk about the Jaguars, you guys. They've done quite a bit uh, of things. 
over these last few weeks, whether they are good things or bad things is, uh, you know, left to be determined. But they've done things. And I don't know, like, lampoon the Christian Kirk contract all you want. I think it's kind of easy to get excited about Christian Kirk teaming up with Trevor Lawrence. Am I an idiot? Mm, so, well, first of all, I don't know. You've heard this is my last show. The Jaguar signed me. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, so congratulations, we'll be, Jake. We'll moving on. Uh, yeah, four for 40 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not even like the Kirk. Um, I'm not all really excited about Kirk, so you know, maybe Funston's more with you on that one. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think that I'd rather take the discount multiple rounds later on Marvin Jones because sure. I think that's what people are going to be going for is Kirk is finally free. But we've seen the numbers, and I keep referencing Sterling Shepard as the perfect comparison, actually, and I always talk about the fact that K- Sterling Shepard was the person I put in Christian Kirk's profile in my draft process to say, this is a guy, he can play outside, but ideally you don't want him playing outside most of the time because he's just better. He's so much better in the slot. I don't know what the makeup's going to be. Obviously, Marvin Jones is playing outside, but – does this mean with the Zay Jones signing that they do try to use Kirk there more? How much three wide are they going to run? A lot of questions, a lot of what's going on. The Zay Jones contract, I think, is more absurd. I mean, Christian Kirk should not be the third highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, the Zay Jones contract is more absurd. Let's be real about that. But I'm super excited for Trevor Lawrence. That's what it comes down yeah. to because they, they paid attention to the offensive line. Uh, it remains like ETN sounds like he could be ready. James Robinson's a question mark, but you get him another weapon, whether or not Zay Jones, it just offsets what Chenault would have been. I don't mean as profiles, but as would have been for helping Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. but no urban Meyer, a team that actually knows what they're doing, not changing their game plan from week to week, not using the wide receivers properly, blah, blah, blah. Trevor Lawrence, these generational talent. I think, you know, the breakout quarterback of 2022, it should be every single person should pick Trevor Lawrence, and then we should talk about who the number two would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing I'll say, I agree. I think this is all about Trevor Lawrence. The, the Christian Kirk thing, he is not a, like, I've you know, he's been on Arizona. I'm a Seattle guy. I've watched a lot of Christian Kirk over the years. Never have I come away thinking, like, oh, Christian Kirk is, like, this untapped wealth of, like, he's a he's a number two or a number three receiver that, should be somebody's number one. He's not a number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he's fine as a number two. I think that's his upside. I don't think we have huge numbers coming from Christian Kirk. Maybe his best ever because he's going to be thrust in the best situation. Yeah, possibly. that's really what I mean. Yeah, that we're just well, going to get. A, I think we're going to get. Let's a better come to Fustin with this question. You made me think of something. You said it. You watch Seattle all the time. Could he become Lockett? Nobody thought Lockett could be that, and then Lockett I, became that. I, I I don't I don't know that he can become Lockett. I I I think. Well, we'll see. I mean, a part of part of it, I think, is the Russell Wilson equation in that. And as I talked about, the ability to buy time and the locket has the sixth sense about where he's supposed to be when that time comes. I think it just depends on the chemistry with Trevor Lawrence. I guess, you know, you click with the right person, you can, you know, you can maybe go a little bit farther than you think. But I, I don't see it. I honestly don't. I don't think he has. I don't think he has the range in terms of uh, what he brings to the table talent wise. Out of Jacksonville is DJ Chark. What's the excitometer, Jake, for DJ Chark in Detroit? Do, 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 do. Super excited. Do, 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 do. Like, it, it really what it comes down to. Uh, oh, Funston, I was just about to say, Funston knows, but he hasn't. Yeah, double, double, hey, do a quick brief over my article updates for today, by the way, Funston, as we do oh, live oh, okay. hey, yeah. job, job things. <laughs> oh, why don't I just go there right now, Jake? Yeah, keep talking. <laughs> so what I was going to say about DJ Chark is everybody's like, oh, well, good luck with that. Jared Goff sucks. Like, Everybody knows I hate Jared Goff as a quarterback performer, 
But what I put in the article is let's remember for three straight seasons from 2018 to 2019 to 2020, two wide receivers, both 80 receptions, 80 receptions, 90 receptions, 90 receptions, 90 receptions, 90 receptions, 1,200, 1,200 yards, 900, 900 yards, and 1,100, 1,100 yards. Every single year at minimum, he's had two wide receivers with at least 80 catches and at least 900 yards offset that by with a few more receptions and a few more yards on those other years. But he's had that. And one of those years was with Tyler Higbee. One of those years was Ty Gurley catching a lot of the backfield. Jared Goss, not a great quarterback, but can he sustain two talented wide receivers of wide receiver two value? Absolutely. And I love some DJ Chark. Now, Hawkinson being significantly more valuable and impactful than anything he had at the tight end position, I think drops them down. And I'm not calling them wide receiver twos. I'm not putting them in the teens. But I would put Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Chark probably, I haven't done the projections updates, but I'm thinking they're going to fall somewhere between wide receiver 26 and 35. Yeah. Both of them. And, and I think this is a Trevor Lawrence situation for Goff where we don't, I mean, or a Christian Kirk situation where we don't have to absolutely love the player, but you have to absolutely love the, you know, what they have at their disposal. I mean, Jared Goff has, as you mentioned, Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ Chark, TJ Hawkinson, and DeAndre Swift in in an environment where you're going to have to throw a ton. Like we've seen him put up 4,600 yards and 32 touchdowns in a season, you know, and, and throwing 600 plus times. I'm sorry. You don't have to love the player, but you do have to love the environment. I mean, do the Lions have two wide receiver threes or better, a tight end one and an RB one? Uh, Full PPR, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Lions. Lions, man. (laughs) There it is. They're they're changing the game. I might might be willing to trade the Seahawks for the Lions right now. Let's just swap. (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time you could say that, Barry Sanders? Yeah, yeah. Calvin, just Megatron, yeah. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, man, those Megatron teams sucked. Uh, he made the playoffs. He was fun. Yeah, what, twice? And yeah. lost 0-2 <laughs> in the playoffs in his career? Controversially, one. You know, there was a con. Yeah, so, it was uh, a year like Detroit lost to the Cowboys on the controversial one, and the Cowboys lost to the Packers, and the Packers lost to the Seahawks. Remember that year? It was yeah, all they couldn't those get, like, anything right. Yeah, it was insane <laughs> endings in all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I do not remember it off the top of my head, but... I trust that you are, are nailing that. Yeah, it was sure. like a Calvin Johnson should have been a catch, and then a Des Bryant should have been, and then the Packers blow that huge lead where they, uh, you know, the onside kick to Brian Brandon Bostic or whatever he boggles it, and Seahawks win in overtime. Go to the, the NFC the, Championship game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember that NFC Championship game, of course. Well, that that whole that whole line that whole NFC playoffs was just yeah. insane ending after insane ending. Yeah. Oh, you're talking. Yes. I yes. thought you were talking about some like obscure regular season game that helped the Lions get. No, into the it was like they each kept on one upping. It was like Detroit yeah. lost to Dallas and then Dallas lost yes. to Green Bay and then Green yes. Bay lost to Seattle. Yes. They were all like yes. agonizing. Losses. Yes. 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 I do remember that. OK, I all was right. going to that that NFC championship game probably kept Aaron Rodgers awake at night until he signed a one billion dollar contract to come back and play football in Green Bay for four years. One Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers is still crazy. It's still crazy. Yeah. I told you guys why I always picked them to win the Super Bowl, and it was the same reason I always picked Chris Sale to win the AL Cy Young, and the Chris Sale <laughs> thing never worked out. And uh, maybe the, maybe the Packers uh, the Packers Super this Bowl year. predictions come back later the year and yeah. Cy Young. Yeah. 
<laughs> Here you go. This is this is the year for Chris Sale, 2022. Um, is there anything interesting at the tight end position you guys want to talk about here? I mean, it was a lot of guys, Mike Kosicki staying, Dalton Schultz staying, David Njoku unfortunately staying, Zach Ertz staying, Evan Ingram goes to Jacksonville, but and I think we hit on the important thing there. Is there any any individual well, tight end himself that's Zach worked Ertz. out? I mean, yeah. Ertz, Ertz was tight end five after arriving, and that was for the majority of the season. Tight end five? I know. Because he averaged over nine points per game. And if you think like it was the, the big games, he really only had two stinkers. Like, truly. Like, he had another one or two games where he only scored like six or seven points. But we're talking about the tight end position. I mean, we had Mark Andrews and George Kittle and Travis Kelsey score two, three, four points. Like, it happens at the tight end position. So, am I going to put him at tight end five? Absolutely not. Uh, that's also with no TJ Hawkinson, you know, him being hurt and stuff like that. Um, but... If you want to tell me Zach Ertz is relevant and better than the Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby group of tight ends there, yes. But at the same time, I could see by the time we get to draft season, he's coming off like tight end six in that. What I So I said on my show, everybody talks about the running back dead zone. I'm going to write a de- – I think we need to do the tight end dead zone and mm-hmm. officially say that like once you get past the f- top four or five tight ends, just skip all that tight end dead zone nonsense and just wait uh-huh. until the end. I will say it's a crazy tight end market in reality. I mean, when you got Dalton Schultz and Mike Gusecki and David Njoko being franchised. Schultz should, should be the best one. Yeah, and, and Will yeah. Disley getting $8 million a year. and Will CJ Disley. Is, yeah, what Will, was your team doing with Will that Disley after trading for Nail Fant? S- well, snuffing out our Noah Fan hope. The justification was CJ Uzoma going out and getting $8 million, The same contract. Like You the, didn't need those, Disley. You just brought in Fant. <laughs> Unless uh, the, uh, the fan, everybody's right. telling us that Fant is just not the guy <laughs> Well, on his yeah, own. I, I, I don't know. I was just going to say the one guy that could be interesting is Kaseki. If you if you want to run down the Mike McDaniel thing and the George mm-hmm. Kittle, you know, usage and the fact that they don't throw they don't throw the running backs in San Francisco a whole lot, and if they don't add another receiver, then Kaseki could be it could be interesting there. Uh, but I, I agree, Dalton Schultz. If they don't add another receiver, is also somebody you have to like an awful lot. I'm baffled by the people going crazy for Rizama. And I was like, does Chris Herndon, do, are we doing this again? And they saw them. <laughs> and at best, Rizama is fourth, and you could argue fifth. Yeah. Because if Corey Davis is healthy, it's Elijah Moore, mm-hmm. Corey Davis, Michael Carter, maybe Uzama, but then we still brought Braxton Berrios, who's taking over with Jameson Crowder and showed off a little bit himself yeah. last year. So he's contending. He's fourth slash fifth at best. All right, guys, we got to wrap this up really quickly here or very soon here. So I just want to ask you, like, let's talk about offensive lines. We obviously don't get much of an opportunity to do that in the in the fantasy world, but there's been a lot of offensive line shuffling. So I just want to ask you this, and Jake, you can start. Mm-hmm. Any offensive line signings uh, or what individual signing? You talked about Brandon Scherf going to Jacksonville. Any individual player or any group of signings that has you feeling better about the skill players on that team? Uh, there is one. I will say to sidebar real quick, I'm, I'm shocked at how many signings sound positive from the people covering those teams. Like I said this on my show with Lauren. It's like the people are like, oh, this is an upgrade for the Giants. I was like, is it? Like I had never like really paid attention to who this guy was before they signed him. I still can't even think of his name off the top of my head. I'm like, is he really better than Will Hernandez? Uh, Mark like, Lewinsky? Yeah. Like like all these signings and they're like, oh, this is an upgrade. This is an upgrade. This is an up-. like. How, how? Like, all these offensive linemen, like, struggling for, like, and all of a sudden they're all, uh, all of them are upgrades. Apparently, every offensive lineman that has signed this offseason is an upgrade. I don't buy it for a second. The one that I do is the Tomlinson 
to the Jets. Yeah. The Jets still probably aren't done, just like the Giants shouldn't be and the Jaguars shouldn't be. And I'm not taking the Jaguars because we already talked about them. But I'm saying for this, and as soon as the offensive line improvements happened with the Jets already, let alone what's still probably set to be done, Michael Carter RB1 season is coming. Yes. Oh. Michael Carter, the show, the the the, the guy of oh, our show. Oh, it's a kumbaya Michael moment. Carter. I think we can all get on board with that. I won't add a whole lot. Yeah, Scherf was the other one. I mean, good Lord. Uh-huh. Trevor Lawrence had, I mean, we knew it from preseason when he could hardly get rid of the ball before he was getting blown up, you know. So they just need all the help they can get. They need more help than that, but it's at least a step in the right direction. But I like the Jets one, Jake, and I'm all in with you. Well, they got the other guy, too, that I can't – that's what I'm saying, the other offensive line that went there. To, to the Jaguars. Then the Bengals have made a couple of signings too, which we knew they were going to be doing. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's you know that's nice. That's nice that they have new guys. Well, Burrow's there. fine. We just need to, we need to get Trevor launched. You know, we need to get him launched yeah. in his NFL career in the right direction. And mm-hmm. so. Oh, they franchised Cam Robinson, which I thought was. Whew. Yeah, I don't know. That's one of those ones. Is Cam- that a good thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> is it, I mean, when you have that much money to spend, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, could, they, they could go yeah. after the guy from North Carolina State, you know. Oh, uh, uh, everybody! All the beat reporters are saying every all their moves are pointing to Hutchinson being the first pick. Really? Yeah. Echo, no. echo, uh, one, uh, what, what? But I mean, hey, if you're a Giants fan, Neeler, him could fall mm-hmm. to them, which yeah. should make them happy. All our moves are pointing to ending this episode and also to another week of free agency and toward the NFL draft, which surprisingly is, you know, we're, we're starting to get you know close enough to it that it's like a thing we're going to be talking about and uh, getting into on fantasy football shows. So uh, all that pointing in that direction for us. That is going to do it for this great reunion episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Brandon, awesome Awesome to be back with you guys. It was, it was like I was I was a little worried about my uh, football brain snapping back in, but Funston, you're right. It was like riding a bike, so uh, feels good. Feels good to be back with you guys. Hopefully, it was good for you guys uh, out there listening to us. Uh, we'll be back with you once a week now. Now we're back in the groove, so we'll be coming back at you once a week. And as we get closer to the NFL draft, we'll we'll bump things up uh, around draft time. But uh, keep your feed uh, refreshed. We'll be coming at you once a week for the next month or so before draft time. For Jake and Brandon, I'm Michael Beller. We are riding bikes here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.